0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Amen. Father, we give you glory and honor and praise this morning. You are the Father of all fathers. You're the one and only God. You're the only one worthy of honor and praise and all glory. Father, we lift your name up high in praise this morning in adoration. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to celebrate this morning in communion. That you did not withhold your own Son. And that in obedience, obeyed your will to lay down his life, but you would raise it up again, Lord, that he would be the firstborn of every son and daughter in your kingdom, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you all glory, honor, and praise this morning. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen, Lord. You may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Each of you has a far greater impact as a father than you realize. Not only as a father, but as grandfathers and great-grandfathers, mentors to men in your life and, and your children, both your own and others, look up to you even when you don't realize it. The best example that we can set as men and fathers to our children and to those around us is to follow the Lord. And I pray that God will lead and direct each of our steps to be the men and fathers he's called us to be. And we just want to honor you this morning. Well, this morning we're starting a new series that's called The Rest of God. I've said many times when I preach that I'm preaching to myself first. It's what God has or is currently speaking to me, usually, and this series is certainly one of those. I knew I would be preaching on this topic at some point, but I thought it would uh, be further down the line, and I say that because I wanted to be successfully practicing this discipline before I taught on it or spoke on it. But what I realized is that I've been on this journey for a while now, and I've still got a very long way to go. I really feel like I'm still just at the very beginning. So the real purpose of this series is to invite each of you to join me on this journey of participating in God's rest. We're not going to have arrived at our destination at the end of this series, I promise you. My prayer, though, is that we will all decide to take the journey. The best way that I can describe the rest of God to you at this point, to what I know right now, is that it's a lost art. It's something that has been lost to time. We don't understand what it is. We don't know how to participate in it. I've been reading and praying about God's rest for quite some time now, and I'm still struggling with how to define it, how to practice it, because it's such a foreign concept to us, to our whole culture. Even in the church, it's something that we have to rediscover. There's an example of this type of rediscovery in the Old Testament found in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23. It was during the 18th year of the king of Josiah. He was the king of Judah. And the priest Hilkiah finds the book of the law. He rediscovers The law, it had been hiding in plain sight in the temple, but it had been lost to time. If you read these two chapters, you will find that the temple was present. Priests were present. Prophets were present, but everyone had forgotten the word of God. They weren't practicing it. They didn't even know it existed until it was found again. And King Josiah's secretary uh, brought the word back after uh, the the priest had found the word and he read it to King Josiah. And when King Josiah heard the words of God, he immediately tore his clothes and repented because he knew that he and the people had been unknowingly violating it. And he immediately took action. This won't be on the screen, but I wanted to read to you a couple of verses from Second Kings twenty three two through three. It says, And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people both small and great, and he read in their hearing all the words of the Book of the Covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people joined in the covenant. They rediscovered the word of God and they immediately started to attempt to practice following it again. And that is my hope for this series, that once we begin to understand God's rest and what He intended for us in it, that we will set our heart to practice walking in it. There's one word that describes God's rest. And even this word has really been lost to time. I'm sure most of you have heard it before. But it definitely isn't a word that we use in our conversations regularly. And we certainly would all struggle with defining it. That word is Sabbath. We're going to start with a definition of Sabbath. It's a day of complete rest from secular work following six days of labor. And it was established and modeled by God. A day of complete rest. What is that? Who knows what that is? What's rest? A definition for rest is a bodily state characterized by minimal, functional, and metabolic activities. Freedom from activity or labor. Peace of mind or spirit. A rhythmic silence in music. Freedom. I like that word. Freedom from activity or labor. How many of you, need, including myself, need freedom from activity? I also know that we have a lot of musically inclined people here. And I thought that final definition really gives us a different perspective for rest. A rest in music is a period of silence. A moment of freedom from sound. How many of you fathers have ever, 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 I need to speak, have ever uttered these words to your children? Just give it a rest. <laughs> what do we mean by that? Silence. Just one moment of silence. I'm going to make a wild assumption this morning that you are just plain tired exhausted. Often you feel totally overwhelmed. And the last thing that you need is something else to do. And this feeling is so great that even what I am talking about this morning just sounds like one more thing for you to do. One more rule that has to be followed. But my prayer is that this message and that this whole series, for that matter, doesn't come across like that. My prayer is that we will find the amazing beauty of the Sabbath and what God intended for us in it. And once we fully understand it, that we will long for it and look forward to practicing it. Not because it's a law or because it's a rule, but because it's our heart's desire. Practicing the Sabbath imparts the rest of God to us. Actual, physical, mental, spiritual rest, but also the rest of God. Parts of God that we can't comprehend or understand in any other way. The things of God's nature and presence that we miss in our busyness. Some knowing is never pursued, only received. And for that, we need to be still. Psalm 46.10 calls us to be still and know that I am God. There are things that we will never know about God unless we take the time to be still, to cease from our activity and to rest. Even the world realizes that we have a problem. They just don't have a solution. I was reminded of a song by the group Alabama. Alabama. It was released in 1992. That doesn't sound like that long ago to any of us of some age, but that was 30 years ago. And that tells you how fast time goes by if we don't comprehend it, if we don't take time to realize what we're doing and where we're at. And I want to read just a few lines of this song. And the song was called I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. I don't know why I have to drive so fast. My car's got nothing to prove. It's not new, but it'll do zero to 60 in 5.2. Oh, I hear a voice that says I'm running behind. Better pick up my pace. It's a race and there ain't no room for someone in second place. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Haven't we all experienced that? It's part of the fabric of our culture. We pride in it. I know I have. My whole life, I started working when I was 15 years old. And I think there's been once, maybe twice, that I've had a two-week vacation. I've never gone a day without a job. Every job, I went from one to the next and started it immediately. And that was, and, and even is, in, in the way that my mind works. Just a, a point of pride that I work hard. I'm busy I'm always accomplishing something, and that's ingrained in us, into our culture. It's all we know. Ask anyone how they are, and the most common answer you will probably hear is, I'm busy. There's so much to do. But what is all our busyness accomplishing? Let's take a look at where Sabbath came from, and this word, Genesis 1 recounts the six days of creation. We're not going to read all of that or get into the details of creation other than to mention that God created all the visible heavens and earth and everything living in it during those six days. The very last thing that he created was us. Our focus during this series will be on what happened after the sixth day. And we find the answer to that in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Holy means to be set apart, to be other than. He made this day other than every other day. And on it, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God rested. The word used here means to cease or to rest from labor. Satan has done an amazing job of perverting our idea of both work and rest. We're going to look at those more later in the series, but I just want to point out that we have a distorted view of both rest and work. Most of us are probably at least familiar with 10 of the commandments, or familiar with the Ten Commandments. Some of you may even have them memorized. If you do, you know that the Fourth commandment addresses the Sabbath. Exodus 28 through 11 says, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy." Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath. He set apart a day and called it the Sabbath and made it holy. God set a day of rest apart for himself after he finished his work of creating heaven and earth. He ceased from his labor and he used it as an example to call us to a day of rest as well. He even made it one of the Ten Commandments. It's for our own good. I've told, I've shared this with y'all I know before and I used to share it with uh, kids church when Candy and I led children's ministry in Amarillo. And it's that all these rules, the commandments, the things in the Bible that God instructs us to do. Fathers, the way that you've instructed your children. Mothers, the way that you've instructed your children. What rule did you just arbitrarily make up for the fun of it to make your kid's life difficult? That you thought, you know, oh, this will stick it to them. This will really ruin their day. How can I mess with them today? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's horrible. But we don't want you to die. That's every rule or law of God was made for our good. When He rested, God didn't need rest. He doesn't need to relax or take take time to rejuvenate or get His strength back. He did it as an example for us because He knew we needed it. And he was going to give us the instruction to do it. So he set the example. And so he rested so that we might rest because it's for our good, not for our harm. Not to make our life difficult, but because he wants what's best for us. But Satan has perverted man's view of God's rest And he did it long before our time. This isn't a new thing. It was messed up in Jesus' day as well. If you know the Word of God, you know that one of the biggest gripes the religious leaders had with Jesus was his view of the Sabbath. According to them, Jesus was constantly breaking the Sabbath. He and his disciples were constantly breaking the Sabbath and they would have none of it. It was one of their primary reasons for having him crucified. According to their interpretation, Jesus wasn't doing it correctly. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. This is one of those examples. It says, one Sabbath, he, speaking of Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus is saying exactly what I said just a moment ago. The Sabbath isn't a random rule that God made up to see if we would follow. It was created for us. God doesn't need it. He doesn't need to rest. We do. And Jesus is saying the Sabbath isn't for God. He doesn't want to just see if we'll do it or not. He said the Sabbath was created for you because you need to rest. This is something that we will have to practice. We can start small, kind of like exercising. If you haven't been running, it's not a good idea to start out with a marathon. If you don't kill yourself, you'll probably wish you had. This is a journey, a discipline that we need to add to our lives to start practicing. And that is something that I can say I've started, but but like I said, I didn't get... Or haven't made anywhere near the progress that I would like to. Trying to take out five minutes of the day where you sit and do nothing and sit in silence and focus on God with all, like, we literally have constant input. Even when we're not, even, let's say you're going on a walk. How many of you, uh, play music the whole time you're walking? or you're listening to a podcast, or you're reading something on your phone. Like, we can't do any activity without having another input. And when you shut off all those inputs, it's like you were going 100 miles an hour and just slammed on the brakes. And, like, you can't even comprehend it. And so literally after just a few minutes, you're constantly having to take your thoughts back to God. Back to God, because your mind's just going all over the place. And you're thinking, I wonder what's going on Facebook. I wonder what song I could listen to now. I wonder what's on TV. I wonder what... I mean, just constant distraction. Because we have no idea what it is to just rest. So, by practicing this and starting out, I'm really encouraging you to literally try a few minutes, a few moments of silence, and the next time trying a little bit longer and a little bit longer, but refocusing on God to understand and know what the value of it is and what you will get out of it and what God will provide to us if we'll take a moment to rest. It's a discipline. At at its simplest form, there are two types of disciplines. Disciplines of engagement and disciplines of abstinence. Meaning there's a discipline that we practice by doing something, and then there are disciplines that we practice by not doing something. And practicing the Sabbath is a discipline of not doing something, of ceasing from our work, ceasing our labor, and resting Someone asked a question regarding Sabbath to Dallas Willard, who's a famous theologian who's passed. But uh, the question that they asked him regarding the Sabbath was, do I just sit there? And this was his answer. It's not what we want to hear. Simply stated, yes, of course you can still breathe or walk about. But this is an application of the law of Sabbath to make us stop labor, to make us stop doing anything in the way of work. Listen to this statement. The reason for that, you see, is that the kingdom of God is so gentle that as long as we are acting, it usually just lets us go on. We can't turn loose of the world and the place we think we have in it. Isn't it interesting that the kingdom of God is something that you would have to seek? Solitude is the primary way, and then, of course, silence within that solitude. As long as we are busy doing, God will most often just let us go on. He's too much of a gentleman to interrupt, unlike me and my family. I've told my wife for many years that... uh when we're in a family uh, gathering, it's like, you just have to jump in, and interrupt, and talk louder, like, that's the only way you're ever going to be heard, <laughs> you know, and, and if they talk louder, then you talk louder, and then, they, I mean, and, and that was, that was my whole childhood, every family, like, you could be three rooms, and down the hall, and you would hear all the adults talking, and it was just, super loud, like everybody's... It wasn't yelling, but very, very loud talking. And so when my brother and my father and I get together, it's kind of the same thing, and Candy could could testify. And I would always just say, well, you know, just jump in. You know, just you just got to get in there. And And she never would and doesn't. And that's a good thing. She's like the Holy Spirit. She's like God in this instance. He just... He says, if you're going to keep going, if you're going to rush and rush and not know why and keep going and going and pressing on and staying busy and never doing what I've told you to do and take time to rest and be quiet and experience part of me that there is no other way to experience, then I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait for you to shut up to stop talking. And it's the only way that we're going to experience that part of God. It's the only way that we're going to hear what He has to say is if we take the time to listen. But again, I'm not trying to be legalistic or put one more rule for us to follow. It's that our heart would realize what God has to offer and that we would desire it enough. Our heart would want to participate in that enough that we would set aside a moment to be quiet, to rest, to listen, And to see what he might have to say to let all of that confusion subside. One of the things that God did after every day is it said he looked at what he had done and said that it was good. And on that sixth day after he created man, he said it was very good. But I think one of the things that he did in that day of rest was just enjoy what had been done. How often do do we work and work and work and, and accomplish things, sometimes big things, but don't even take a moment to enjoy what we've accomplished? There's another... Account in the Bible that Jesus shares a parable of the man who, who had, was doing very well for himself. He was very wealthy. He ran out of room to store all of his grain and wealth. And so he built bigger barns so he could store more. And when he finally finished and got it all loaded, it said that he didn't know that that was the day he was going to die. He never took time to enjoy anything that he had accomplished. He never took time to rest in God and to be with Him and to experience that part of God. We need a place of rest, a day, a time that is set apart to cease from our labor and rest, to be still, to be silent and know what that He is God, to hear the things that He has to say that we have been too busy or too loud to hear. The image that's been up on the screen is a rest area sign. I picked that because it reminded me of my childhood. We would we would always take driving vacations to see family. And my mom would pack lunches and drinks, and we would stop at a rest area. There used, there's still some of those. They still exist. I don't know if any of you have ever used them. Uh, maybe, I, probably a lot of the kids in here have never seen or been in one. But we we would stop at these places to rest to eat the meal that my mom had prepared. And we would take a moment. And what this image conveys and what the Word of God conveys regarding the Sabbath is that we need a place. An area of rest. We need a place to be able to go. Psalm 23, 1-3 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's a good thing. The message version reads, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows and... Find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. He's calling us to return to green pastures, still waters, and the restoration of our soul. That's a good place to be. I pray that the Holy Spirit has used these words, His word, to kindle a desire in your heart to seek His rest. We're going to close with this word from Jesus. Again, according to the religious leaders, a Sabbath breaker. In a, a, Matthew 11:28, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is easy. Is light. Like I said, I'm not trying to give you a list of rules or one more rule to follow or a legalistic view of what the Sabbath looks like. Like I said at the beginning, I'm barely at the beginning of this journey myself. But what I do know is that I need God's rest, I need to practice a Sabbath for my own good. The desire in my heart is growing, and I pray that this series will ignite that desire in your heart as well, and we can go on this journey to discover God's rest, the rest of God, together. As we close in prayer this morning, ask the Holy Spirit what He's saying to you. Will you bow your head with me? I'm going to close in prayer and then Brandon's going to just lead us in a time of instrumental music. There won't be any words to sing along with and just want you to take a moment to breathe. Breathe in and out. Be quiet. Listen for what the Holy Spirit may have to say to you. Be reminded of what David wrote in the Psalms that the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He will make you. He will return you. He will call you back to green pastures to lie down. He will lead you beside still waters. He will restore your soul. And He will lead you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Father, we invite you into this moment, into this time. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would kindle that flame within us, Lord, that desire within us to be with you, to be in a moment with you, to rest in your presence, Lord. A place where we can find your rest. Where our souls can be restored.
1: Take a deep breath in with me if you would. Let it out slowly. You've just spent just one minute in silence. And if it seemed like an eternity, you need to practice a little more. And if you feel relaxed and happy where you are right now, you need to practice a little more. This morning what I heard Chris say or what God told me in Chris's words was in the past I've I've also believed that a time of rest was something that we needed to do. It was an endeavor. What God showed me this morning was a time of rest is not an endeavor, it's an opportunity. God's waiting. He wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. He is a true gentleman. He will wait until you give him that opportunity. So a time spent in silence, by yourself, waiting for him, is that opportunity where he'll come to you. So this morning, that's my prayer for you. Father God, I ask that those moments where we're feeling stressed out and tired and cranky, Lord, let that be a notification to us a little message that we need to take time out, that we need to give you opportunity, that we just need to stop for a minute and reset our hearts, our minds, our spirits. And Holy Spirit, I ask in that time that you would come and speak to us, even if it's just a, a one-minute breather that we take when we turn around from our endeavors and just give one minute of silence to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to us in a very real real and personal way during that time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope that all of y'all will go on this little journey with uh, Chris and I and the rest of the church, and that we'll, we'll actually take time to give God opportunity to speak to us because that's really what we need right now. It's a lot of stuff coming in. We need to be able to counteract that and almost use it as an antidote, let God speak to you couple of quick things, if you've taken a baby bottle for the New Beginnings of Restoration Hope, please bring that back next Sunday. This is a, a one-month deal, and next Sunday is the last Sunday in June. Bring that back, please, so that we can uh, get them and support them. Uh, there will be no youth tonight, so that youth can have time to spend with their fathers. Uh, so don't come to the West Building. Go spend time with your dad. And lastly, don't forget on Wednesday nights at 6.30 in the fellowship hall, Pastor Daryl is continuing his Habits of Holiness, or Hobahara, his Holy Habits, Holy Habits by Pastor Daryl. And part of that is taking a rest, okay? Y'all be blessed. Have a great week together. Thanks for coming.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message.